gospel message. The title of this week's gospel message is going to be In Meekness Restore. In Meekness Restore. So I was thinking this week about, or rather I was hearing stories about incidents that have happened in churches where certain members of the congregation have fallen. And by fallen, I mean, you know, committed an act that was deemed worthy of having them removed from the congregation and or stripped of all their ministerial duties, so on and so forth. So I was thinking about that and thinking about how the world, which is people who just have everything negative to say about Christianity and everything negative to say about the church, I was thinking about how they pounce on juicy bits of gossip like that and how they speak ill of the church and how they speak ill of Christianity and of course how they speak ill of that fallen person. And then the next question that came to mind was, okay, I understand how the world is going to respond because they just sit there waiting for a Christian to fall just so they can jump on the Christian and call the Christian a hypocrite or anything else under the book. So the question is, what about we, the church? How do we handle that? How do we respond when a brother or a sister falls? You know, we're not even going to make excuses to say they didn't commit whatever act it is that they're being accused of committing. But how do we respond? Now, I understand churches have policies that if certain things happen, I guess depending on that person's position, that brother or sister's position, so on and so forth, certain disciplinary actions have to be taken. I understand. And church policy is church policy because, again, uh, something has to be done, I guess, to address it so it is not looked at as being okay to do certain things and then nothing will happen. And I get the administration part of it. But we, as the brother, brothers and sisters of that fallen individual, how do we respond? The, the, so the first thing is that are we part of that culture, that cancel culture where, you know, we have this response that, yeah, I always knew this person was too good to be true. I always knew this person wasn't as squeaky clean as they as they pretended to be. Or do we have that, oh my gosh, how how could they? How could they do this? How could they do that? How could they? Do we respond like that? You know, as far as the, which is kind of the same way uh, uh, the world would respond to a large extent, only because you're going in on that person and because of the nature of the, of the sin or the nature of the transgression, we really go in on that person and, and, and vilify them and shame them and really talk badly about them, even though they were a 
brother or sister in the church. So I guess if we now combine what the church is required to do or the administrative aspect of the church is required to do on combine that with how we the brethren should act you know i guess we have to go back to to what what the bible says about about sin and transgression and you know falling you know the the the, the main thing the bible says is all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god we're all familiar with the passage in John chapter 8 about the woman who was caught in adultery and how the mob, ready to stone her, you know, saw Jesus, brought her to Jesus and told Jesus what she had done, that she was caught in the very act. And they quoted the law of Moses that the law of Moses says that when such an act ha happens, this is what needs to happen to that person. And of course, we know the story, Jesus kneeling, saying nothing, knelt down, rolled in the, in the dirt. And then when he eventually stood up, he said, he who is without sin, cast the first stone. He stooped down again and rolled in the dirt. Then the Bible tells us specifically that everyone being convicted by their own conscience. So in as much as Jesus did not say anything to them, you know, literally, uh, verse 9 says, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest and even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman and the woman standing in the midst. So that that verse tells us that whatever the spirit of the of, of the Lord did to those people to bring some sort of transgression to their mind that they had committed mind you this was a mob this was a large crowd but they were ready to stone this woman for the act of adultery because of course hey either uh known or unknown they were not adulterers so they were ready to kill her according to the law of moses um, but jesus now said he who is without sin cast the first stone and they all left but then when jesus let her go because jesus did not he 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 saved her from the hypocrisy execution which is sinners convicting another sinner for a sin that was different from their sin but they had all sinned and before god sin is sin you know but he he didn't say hey it's okay go don't worry about it he said where where are those who accuse you and she said, I don't know, Lord, and said, okay, well, neither do I condemn you. Go, but sin no more. So he didn't necessarily absolve the sin, but he forgave and gave her another opportunity. So bringing it back to the church, again, there are a lot of highly publicized stories about people of different churches and these things happen. And of course, we in, in churches, we gasp and we're like, oh my God, I can't believe that. Oh, did you hear about this person? Did you hear about that person? So knowing that the person has committed an offense and, 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 and really transgressed, how do we in the church restore that person? What are we supposed to do? Because I honestly don't believe we're supposed to jump on that gossip bandwagon and, and start 
gasping and ooing and eyeing and saying, oh my God, I can't believe this person could do this. I can't believe this person could do that because we're, we're, we all have our flaws in one way or another. But how do we make the assessment? How do we remedy the situation? I mean, there's the theme, of course, of the church elders addressing it, coming together, and I'm pretty sure bringing the person uh, who has transgressed before the church, if the person is interested in still being a member of the church, because there are some people who will, you know, pack their load and go and be gone with it, and they're like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm done, I'm out of here, and say you people are all a bunch of hypocrites and just leave. But that's not the right attitude either. Because if you want to be a part of the church, then the first course of business would be the repentance, you know, acknowledging that you have done something wrong, acknowledging to your, to, to God first, to God first, that you indeed have sinned as the, the Psalm 51, we confess every, every Sunday say, you know, uh, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight so of course we should the the guilty people we the sinners as we confess every day or as we should be confessing every day without the mob trying to stone us when we fall because we do fall you know not all sins are publicized and the truth is that there are many aspects of our lives that we do not want broadcasted because they're not pretty they're not nice they're not clean we might not, we, we, we throw that word sin around sometimes always looking out, but never looking in, you know, and the truth is that we have all sinned in various ways and continue to do so. A lot of us do it really making excuses for the transgressions that we commit and we never acknowledge how it grieves God. So repentance would be the first order of the day. That person we ourselves or that person acknowledging that they have sinned and the shaming culture, the culture of shaming people who fall, you know, whether they're repentant or not, I honestly don't think it's the Christians. It's the way of Christ to shame somebody to go out and really shame somebody like mob mentality cancel culture as as it's as called today that mob mentality of ganging up on somebody just to expose them and and literally render them naked before everyone especially if the person is repentant and and the repentance that's the other things because sometimes we like to play god in other people's lives and try to gauge the measure of a person's repentance, you know, try to almost like when someone is, is locked up in prison and they go for a parole hearing and they say things to the parole board and the parole board will say, well, I believe this person is, has, has, has remorse for what they did. But there are some people who are very good actors and they get up there, they practice for years and years and go up there and tell the parole board what the parole board wants to hear. And the parole board lets them out and then they commit another murder the following week. So it's not every show of repentance before human beings that's necessarily a genuine one. But God knows the heart. God knows, which is why grieving God has to be the most important thing when someone falls. 
whether we are exposed to the public or not, knowing that whatever this, and if we are in the spirit, the spirit of God will reveal to us what we do that displeases God. And it is now incumbent for that thing to touch us, to hit us right in the heart so that we might be repentant of it. And then it is now the, the responsibility of the church to restore the repentant sinner. The same way God restores us and makes our sins, which were once as crimson, makes them white as snow. It is the exact same way we have to restore our fallen brethren. And that's why Christ gave the commandment and he said, as I have loved you, love one another. As I have forgiven you, forgive one another. As I restored you, forgave you and restored you, restore your brethren back into the church. This is a show of love. That is like the highest show of love because it is the exact same way Christ, who died for our sins, has shown us love. So it is the duty of the church not to shame, address it. Yes, address it wisely, address it with wisdom, but not to shame the person, the goal, even if they are unrepentant. The worst case is that if they're completely unrepentant, then maybe they don't belong in that church. But shaming should never be the action of those of us in the church. Restoration of the repentant sinner has to be the way of the body of Christ because we who are repentant sinners, when we sin against God, he restores us in Christ Jesus. So that has to now become our heart to restore the repentant sinner. Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So in the spirit of meekness is a very, very important caveat that is mentioned there. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 2, from verses 24 to 26, it reads, And the servants of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance unto the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him to do his will. There's that word again, in meekness, instructing those who oppose themselves that God may grant them repentance. There's just something about restoring the sinner in meekness. And why is that meekness important? Why is it important to have that spirit of meekness when we are trying to restore a fallen brother or sister? Second Peter chapter 1 verses 2 to 9, you'll, you can read the whole thing in, in your own time, but I just want to read from verse 7 and verse, uh, actually, now I'm going to start from verse 5. It says, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, 
and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Verse 8, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see far off and has forgotten that he was purged from his own sins. Which brings us back to what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said when he said, as I have loved you, love one another. When we act in meekness to restore a fallen brother or sister, we're doing this with the humility and with the knowledge that I too am fallen. And it is the grace of God that keeps me where I am if I, have, I, I no longer fall back into old patterns of sin and old patterns of, of, of behavior that I had prior to coming into the knowledge of Christ. Meekness is what keeps us humble. It keeps us connected to Christ so we don't consider ourselves more highly than we ought. Things will happen. Times will happen when we, the sinners, will be put on the panel to judge or to hear the matter of a brother or sister that has fallen. How will you hear that matter? How will you process that matter? What will be the state of your heart? What will you say in your mind or to other people about this person? How will you speak of this person or these people? Is it going to be in love? Is it going to be in meekness? Or is it going to be in hypocrisy? Forgetting that we too have been restored by Christ for transgressions that we committed against him. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. So brethren, let us pray for the spirit of meekness because it is so important to restore a fallen brother or sister back to the body of Christ if they are willing. The church is the place where sinners come to to get saved. Sinners that want Christ, that want the life of Christ to transform their own life. So it would be horrible if the church was the place where that they are now driven away, that they are now made to feel shame and embarrassment. And then they run back into the world and seek counsel from the world. The church is the home for those whose hearts that Christ has touched. And yes, people will fall. They will make mistakes, but how will we receive them? How will we restore them? The word of God says that we need to restore them in meekness. As long as they are repentant and are willing to come back to Christ, Christ expects us to love them as he has loved us. And may we continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.